is a tremendous, tremendous pleasure, as always, for Yeshiva Haratzion, and obviously for me personally, to welcome Rabbi Willig. Uh, the particular topic that we asked him to speak about, uh, the Aguna crisis and the various uh, halachic solutions uh, in general, and certainly ones that he has been actively involved in. This week's Parsha, we learned about Moshe. The fir- very first thing the Torah tells us about Moshe as an active person, Yiga Moshe, he went outside, he sees V'yarbasiv Sam. Rashi says, Nasan Eina Valiba Lios Meitzar Aleihem. It's a, 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 a clarion call for life. People have to open their eyes and see what's going on, see the pain of other people, but also libo, to feel their pain. And uh, that is exactly what Rabbi Willig has done on so many areas, but specifically dealing with the crisis of Agunas. Uh, we look forward to, uh, to learning about uh, his efforts and the whole sugya from literally the expert. Thank you very much. And again, I apologize for being late. I, I really feel terrible. Uh, so I'm in Harot. I'm used to flying through them, but this was not the case today. I apologize. Uh, let me begin from the beginning. It's a personal history, but it, the personal history is, is critical to understand my involvement in this difficult parasha. I was elected to be a rabbi in Young Israel of Riverdale, believe it or not, in 1973. That sounds like ancient history. It really is in some ways. And when I assumed the position, I said to myself, I don't want any agunas on my watch. I don't want that should be in a case in my shul where a woman wants to get and deserves to get, and the man refuses to give the get, and I'm just adish, as they call it, I'm just passive, and seem you know, helpless. And I had a, a honeymoon, about 15 years, a honeymoon. There were a couple of divorces, there were two divorces specifically, but they didn't come to me, they took care of their stuff, however they did it in court, they didn't come to me, so it wasn't, it wasn't I was involved uh, directly in this situation. But of course, like any good honeymoon, it comes to an end. It was a very uh, significant member of the community who, who wasn't giving his wife a get, and he should have been giving her a get. And at one point in time, when she asked for the get, I was involved trying to save the marriage originally. That didn't work. He said, well, if you don't do this, you're going to be an aguna. I said, oh, but that's exactly the one thing that I didn't want to happen on my watch. Remarkably, this was now 1989. So I had a 15 years of honeymoon. After a while, the fellow refused to give a get. I said, you have to give your wife a get. He did what a typical balabas would do. He went to another rabbi. You know, it's a free country. Went to, uh, I'll, I'll give the names of the rabbis, because it's only redounds to their credit. Went to Rabbi Rosenblatt at the Riverdale Jewish Center. Told him the story. And because this fellow is a very honest fellow. He really told the truth. The rabbi told me, you have to give your wife again. So, wasn't happy here. He went to Rabbi Avi Weiss. Told him the story, and they said to him, you have to give your wife again. So he was now he struck out, you know, for three. It would be the only three, you know, major shuls in the uh, in the community, and um, that's it. After a while, he still refused. So we did something which is probably unprecedented, in certainly in all parts of the world. We called him up, brought him a letter. You're not invited to come to the sh- these three shuls. If you come, we're going to stop the services was a pretty a bold move at the time, frankly. We were really afraid he'd show up, but he didn't. There's one little private private synagogue at the time. Uh, I'll mention the name of the rabbi because it only has to do with our, my host. It was Rabbi Gottlieb. He had a little tiny shul. You remember that shul? It was, it was not in your time, before your time. It was for retirees. Most of them weren't even observant. They're older people. And that was a private. We didn't want to guys to daven. So that shul which was way beneath his station, if I may use that expression, that we allowed to do. This, this was that right after Sukkot of 1989. Okay. Six months passed. I was pressured by my Malabatim to do something, you know, why are you taking one person's side? It's not fair. There are two sides to every story. I told you, yeah, there are two sides, but you have to come down on one side. <laughs> so they said, but we don't, we're not happy with what you're doing. I said, I'm giving you three choices. Three, not one, not one, two, but three choices. One, you convince him to give the get. Two, you don't like the way I'm handling it. 
hire somebody else to handle it. I'm the rabbi of the shul. Get someone to be what you call an avbezdin. Let him be the one to handle it. Three, if you do neither of the two, then I guess I'm your avbezdin. By default. I'll do it the way I want to do it. Well, suffice that they didn't do the, they did not, neither one nor two, so I was left with the avbezdin of the shul, which I still have in some sense. The kids are, it's coming Pesach time, and nothing's happening, no movement from Sukkot to Pesach, nothing's happening. I was learning, as Hashem orders everything, we were learning Gittin that year in Yeshiva. See, I said to the Talmudim before Pesach, listen, enough of this Pupulim, made a Mesira Karasi, a Chasim Karasi, whatever, we're learning all this good stuff. We're going to do something, we've got to find a way to do something. So, we started right after Pesach, to study the Sukkot end of the Mesechta, it's called the get Musa, forced get. What you're allowed to do, not allowed to do, the pressure husband to give a get. Well, uh, maybe it's just a coincidence. Two days later, <coughs> after we started learning after Pesach, it's an amazing story. Uh, but, but by the end of that week, the judge had gone to the, the courts for six months. The judge, a very intelligent judge, was properly coached, told this fellow, listen, I'm splitting your assets 50-50. 50-50. If you give a get within 10 days, you get 55%. That was a very critical, crucial distinction. In Jewish law, if you steal somebody's money in order to compel him to give a get, that's no good. If you reward him for giving a get, that is good. So she rewarded him instead of penalizing him. And that's how the get was given. It was given on Rosh Chodesh year. It's exactly a week after Pesach. That, it was a Thursday. Two days later, he walks in the shul. Shabbos morning. I told our Gabbai, your cousin, the same Gabbai as we have now, give this man shlishi. So the Gabbai says to me, Rabbi, for six months he's persona non grata. Don't let him to the shul. Now you give him shlishi? I said, yes. We didn't let him in because he wasn't giving a get. Now he's giving a get. He deserves shlishi. He gave him shlishi. After the next aliyah, I went out to run to shred to shake his hand. He shook my hand. You know, that's enthusiastic. I shook his. But at the end of the day, he remarried and she remarried. And then uh, decades, decades of happy marriages following. This, this, the Torah is a parasha of Gerishin for a reason. In any event, I, I proceeded with my quest to try to ameliorate the situation. And the first thing I saw was an article which was written two years previous in the year of 1988. It's now, we're now in the, in the year of 1990. Written by a man named Rabbi Tzvi Gartner, who I'd never heard of him. And he quoted a rabbi who was just barely becoming famous, Rabbi Zalman Nechemi Goldberg. He wasn't so famous in America at the time. Was, I guess initially they knew who he was. And he wrote, he quoted him as having a certain kind of a solution. So I, thanks to the same... Um, we had the, uh, Rabbi Goldbit, who was a rabbi, member of, of our staff. I was his first year in, in the yeshiva. He was friends with Rabbi, with rabbi Zaman and Chemek, because he knew Rabbi Shlomo Zaman, his father-in-law. And he gave me his phone number, I called him up, and we started corresponding. I, I wrote this, this, back and forth, it went on for a long time. And I realized you have to do this in personal diplomacy. So I flew to Eretz Yisrael. It was January of 1991. It was an interesting time here in this, this holy land. Uh, the Gulf War was about to begin. You know, I, I was literally under the threats of... Uh, you hear that year? You came to the, the, the next year. You came in peacetime. So this is my... I, my two sons were here. And it was, a, it was very Lebedic. I remember taking a ride. I still remember this. Zichronam Levracha. I was... Uh, I came to get a shia here in this yeshiva. I hold this holy yeshiva. In the middle of all this. And Rabbi Lichtenstein said, Sal told me... Meet me in front of my house, two boys, and Rabbi Amital Zatzal will pick, pick me up. That's what happened. Amital came in his car, picked up Rabbi Lichtenstein, myself and my two boys sat in the back. Fascinating conversation, but I won't go into that now because I came late. I don't have time for any more stories, really. Afterwards, if you have time, I'll tell you some stories, but not for now. I came here, said a shear. From the shear, we took a bus straight back. There was a, it was a Monday. There was a gathering of Shovavim, which you may know what that is. There were 80,000 users of the Kotel and Maravi. We died with a mincha. It was unbelievable. The next day was Tuesday. Was young, it was Yom Kippur Katan. Another gathered. That was when Operation Torah Shield came in on, on that day. 
It was it was wild, but that's not the part. I just it's the human interest part of the story. Meanwhile, it was Amnachem. It tells me it's very nice. I gave you a suggestion, but you know you want to make it a, 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 a takana for the whole world, for the whole America. You have to speak to somebody else. I said, fine, Rabbi. Tell me who to speak to. I'll speak to him. He sent me to a friend of his, a dayan, Rabbi Chaim Symbolist. Now I happen to have heard the name because he taught in YU when he got married to an American girl. I never realized how great he was. He taught in T.I., what we call it. <laughs> he was Menegadoli Ador, Mamish. He was so great, just to give you an example, when Rabbi Yashif, you heard that name, right, was looking for a Dayan. He needed a retired Dayan to deal with the most messy situation in the country called Panovich. I'm going to that too now. <laughs> <laughs> he asked Rabbi Tzimbalist to serve in that capacity as the Shalish, and he got plenty of Vizianis. Rabbi Yashif protected him as long as he was alive. Now he's still getting Vizianis. This is the premier dayan of the country. And he went to him. I remember distinctly, when I went to him, to his bezin in Tel Aviv. I drove him home from out of the car. And he t- I looks, I showed him what his friend of Zahm has written, a draft. Looks and says, I'm not happy. I don't like it. This is too, too much time to get. Do it a different way. Okay. Now, I'm driving back to Yushalayim in deep despair. I already put it into my life since Pesach, and now it's January, eight months, and now Rabbi A said this, Rabbi B said this, it's going to come to naught. That was my fear. Come back to Abzalman Nehemia, I told him about Rabbi Tzimbalist, and said, you know, okay, we'll do it his way. There's an expression we say in the Siddur, His greatness, he had already written something about his two and a half years before, in two and a half minutes, he said, okay, we'll do it his way. And that, that's, that requires a, a measure of humility, which many of us don't possess, which I saw repeatedly. You know, I got to know him over these, over these years. Okay? So I started writing it up. Rabbi Tzimbalist's way. I had to go back to Rabbi Zalman Nechemah to show him how I wrote it up. Back and forth. I remember that, that day, the day that we had the Operation Torah Shield, we went to the airport to meet those 400 people who came against traffic to this country. From there I took a 222 bus to Tel Aviv, to Rav Simulis' house, and I showed him what Zalman Nechemah had drafted based upon Rav Simulis' suggestion. He gave his approval, went back to the bus station, came back to Yerushalayim, the streets were deserted, deserted, mamish, and then the next day was my last day in the country, and I said, uh, actually next to the last day, I said to Zalman Nechemah, can I come back for the final so, well, I'm busy saying shir all day. Meet me in the evening. I'm going to Shalavim to say a shir. We're talking in the car. That's how busy he was saying shir. In the car, he gave his final approval to this draft. Fine. Good. What happened? I had to go back to New York to deal with the lawyers. Because if it's not legally enforceable in the state of New York, it's, 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 you're wasting your time. There was a group then called the Orthodox Caucus, a very nice group at the time. They sponsored my trip and they helped me out. The, the lawyers took another whole year so we got that in legal form, and then I went back to Zalman Nechemia, had it typed up, you know, more or less the same way, but I'll tell you some of who typed it, it's an irony, but not for now. And Reb Zalman Nechemia signed it, Reb Zimbalist signed it, Reb Avad Yosef signed it. So, it's had three premier signatures of the, some of the greatest Dayanim with me. I went back to America with Rabbi Schwartz and my best signed it, Rabbi Libus. With the great Gedolm of the Agudah Rabbanan signed it. And I said, well, let's go. Let's go. So now we have a working document. We're ready to go. This is right in January 1992. Now, you know, they started, obviously, they started the Hebrew document. It was just translated to English. And there were a few fits and starts. It started with two documents, went into one document. It started with blanks. We filled in the blanks because things weren't working well. In any event, we, we, we could craft the document. And we started going. I tried to get a few other rabbis to sign on to it. They all refused. Not that they said there's anything wrong with it. They said, you know, in our circles, it's not going to happen. The more quote-unquote Haredi circles. Which surprised me, because the two rabbis I spoke to were from Brooklyn, were from the Chaim Berlin orbit, where they had suffered a bloodbath in a, in a terrible fight within the Chaim Berlin. It's about a divorce. It's terrible. I thought it would be more acceptable to after that event, but no. They said it's okay, but we're not going to do it. This goes back, this now, this all happened in 1992, a long time ago. 
Fine. So we're working on it. We just, we just, we just put it out. Not that dissimilar from what you have in front of you. By the way, you have in front of I'm sorry, Rabbi, it's not the final draft. It's what I want to have on the website. Huh? It's what they have on the I asked if it in November 2018. Yeah. Doesn't, it wasn't on the website. Okay. If you, have, if you get married, make sure you get the last, the final draft. You should you all use it. But, uh, okay. Michael, I should have. Okay. It's close enough. Anyway. Um, fine. Done. We're done. So the people from the, uh, the, the Orthodox caucus wanted me to take it to quote-unquote higher authority. And Rav Zavon said, don't bother, it's not gonna, you won't get anywhere. But they, they put some pressure on me, so I said, okay. I went to Shlomo Zalman, it was Rav Zavon father-in-law, and he just said, go to the Dayanim, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't, and Yashiv. He said, speak to my aide, Rabbi Dovin Morgenstern, a tremendous Talmud Chacham. He has a university background, he went to MIT, if I'm not mistaken. Before he became totally immersed in Torah, tremendous going. This Ramach Shlomo near my son. So I got to know a little bit. I got to know his son a little bit. And he says to me, Rabbi Yashiv has problems with it. Now, in the original article that Rabbi Gartner had written, he took it to Rabbi Yashiv, who said his problem is that the person will not understand what he's signing. So make it if it comes to you know Klali, he won't understand what he's signing. So Rabbi Gartner wrote back in the article, that's maybe in Israel. But in America, they were lawyers, and they're going to understand what they're signing, which is certainly true, because I can tell you from personal experience, when people refuse to sign, because the lawyer had this quibble and that quibble, you know, lawyers, lawyers, the lawyers are trained to quibble. You know, nothing ever happens with the lawyers. The longer it takes, the longer they get paid, and they quibble and quibble and quibble and quibble, and then they're going to a wedding for 10 years, so the lawyers stop quibbling. So, number one. Number two, it never understood it, because it says in Shogunach explicitly, that if you don't understand what you sign, it's, it's binding anyway. You guys sign a lease in an apartment. You know, we just full small print. It's binding anyway. You signed it. But that was his, that was the objection that was printed. In explaining to me other objections, he said that you had three other objections that Rabbi Yosef had of varying levels of severity. I didn't know. I was only from a cliche. Rabbi Mogensim. One, he was afraid that this would take things into court. It was just a, mis- a mistake. On the contrary, it keeps things out of court. Because it's been binding arbitration in Besden, and there's an option, a very important option, that not only should the get issue should be brought into Besden, but even the all the monetary issues, which we always recommend. And on the contrary, this would help us. This would help us in keeping it out of Besden. So Rabbi Yosha didn't appreciate that. Didn't realize that. Then he was afraid that he's going to give again when he doesn't really want to give again which I also don't understand. Like anybody else, you don't want to support your wife, so you give a gift. The fourth objection I understood very well, something called asmachta. This is a, a com- complex halachic issue which we'll discuss briefly. Asmachta means that a person makes a con- an exaggerated conditional obligation, it's not binding. If I will leave this land foul and I won't till the soil as I promised, I'll pay you a thousand zuzah. Way exaggerated amount. You're not obligated. And therefore, the feeling was to be a problem of asmachta here as well. So let me address that briefly why, in my opinion, there is no problem of asmachta for a variety of reasons. Number one, the sum is not exaggerated. The sum we have over here, presently, is $150 a day, which is uh, the parts of society that I inhabit. It's not exaggerated. It's, it's an average. Could be a little bit more, could be a little bit less. Okay. Number two, there, is, there are overrides of Asmachta in Halacha. And they are called a Kenyan Me'achsha Bebezdin Choshev. That's quoted La Halacha in Shulchan Aruch. You do a Kenyan Me'achsha Bebezdin Choshev, you pick up a handkerchief and it's, it's effective immediately. The Bezal Choshev is overcomes the smach, which we have in our document. So I never understood fully, uh, initially, what was his problem. Later I realized his problem. Rabbi Yoshev has a tshuva printed, now it's printed in the Kofi Tshuvas, which he writes that that's only true for a transference of property. But for an obligation, his view is that even if you make a kingdom of the Bezal Choshev, it won't work anyway. And perhaps even if it's not exaggerated, it won't work anyway. And you know what? I happen to think, as I use it for me, you'll get, I hope, intellectual honesty, that Yashiv is correct. 
according to the Rambam. According to the Rambam, I think it's correct. Not the Shulchan Aruch. And since we don't follow the Rambam, maybe Yemenite Jews follow the Rambam. Even, even Sfaradim follow the Rambam, Yosef against the Rambam. So I don't see the problem of Asmachta, the Halacha, the Rambam is even less of a problem of Asmachta. So I thought it's not really an issue. But then again, Rabbi Yashem was known to take strong stands and even write things against various agreements. And yet, we never had, never, ever, he never wrote against us, never. I was, a little, I was counting my uh, good fortune. I was wondering, why did he write against us? You know, he's capable of writing many things. I, I figured out in my opinion. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't have my things in front of me. If you look in the first two lines of the Kovach Shulchan of Rabbi Yashem, I think it's the same simon. I think it's Kuf Samach Gimel, if memory serves. And Aleph and then Beis. And one of them, he says, the point I just told you. And there was an attorney named Dov Frim who brought it to my attention. Rabbi Yashem can't agree with you because of his opinion, which is, comes from a Piskid Nehrabanim, which has this opinion called the Ramba. Fine. But yet is another Chuvan. The same Kuf Samach Gimel, Aleph and Beis. He's like this. Wait a minute. Every single ksuba has an asmachta. A ksuba is what we call an eco ksuba. That's a small amount of money, 10 times pidyon aben. Maybe $500. That's a very small amount. But it's what we call tosevis ksuba. I love you so much that I'm going to add to the ksuba. In the case of the death or divorce, we'll get even much more money. But wait a minute. But who's thinking about a divorce? They're under the chuppah. They have the lovey-dovey. So it should be considered what's called an asmachta. Rabbi Yosha raises that question. And he gives a very interesting answer. He quotes, I think, from the Erech Shai. If you ever learned Kedushin Oksobis, you came across a Gemara which says as follows. How much do you give to your son and how much do you give to your daughter? Now, in those days, and even today, in some places, marriages are financial agreements between the, the two fathers. I'll give you, I'll give you a hundred thousand, you'll give a hundred thousand. No Kenyan, no Chalipa, no star, nothing. Just word of mouth. Why? Because it's so important to have to marry off their children that it counts and it cannot be undermined by the fact that there's an insufficient kidney. So Rabbi Yoshim says, every ksuba is that way. A ksuba is in anticipation of marriage. There is no problem with smachta, even though it's a exaggerated sum. I remember when I came first to Rav, to Rav Tzimbalist Bezdin, I'm sitting there, first they wouldn't let me in. I have an appointment, and then the same thing I say with a gun, and an official president of Tel Aviv, then I convinced him that I am. And two other men walk out, and he's in the back with two lawyers for some divorce case. And the Ksubis said, A million shkolim! That's far I my big, a million shkolim! And the obvious, he meant it, he didn't mean it, that back and forth. So, the kids are, why is it an asmachta? Because it's an anticipation of marriage. That's why, in my opinion, Rabbi Yashem never criticized our agreement based on asmachta. Because according to what he himself wrote, there's no asmacht and a prenup is an anticipation of marriage. That's my interpretation of Yosha based on my own theory. Can't prove it's right or wrong. I, I think, my kishka, I think that's why it never came out against us. Fine. Um, this is interesting because when I wanted to see him in 1993, couldn't get in. Even I called his assistant, Rabbi Afrati, with whom I had a personal connection, with my brother's Chabrus and Karen Biyavna. He was his main gatekeeper. He wouldn't let me in. But you know, there was another fellow who I, I gave money to when he come and collect money there. It was a white fish. He said, I'll get you in, no problem. I know the remits. <laughs> so he got me in. And Rabbi Frati, when he saw I got in over his objection, was a gentleman. He said, Rabbi Willig is a very important rabbi in New York. He's on your side of two major battles going on at that same time. Two. One was the 1992 Get Law, which I thought was no good. Many of my colleagues thought it was good. And Rabbi Yashu said it was no good, and I was on his side 100%. And what was the problem of that? Because if you go to a, it's in a, a second of the court as a restriction of your finances, that itself could render every get invalid because the person given to get under, under a gun of the judge. What do you, how do you solve that problem? With a prenup. You put in the prenup, you go into the, to the best thing about financial matters, that's the only good get. But the second issue was about brain death. Not for now, it was also on his side of the issue, so. I got a nice warm welcome from Rabbi Yashem, and he said, go to Rabbi Morgan soon. He also gave me a warm welcome, but he just said, hey, I can't give my endorsement to you, which Rabbi Zalman predicted from the very beginning. But it was, it was an interesting exercise. And it comes to fascinating how things continue. Two years later, 1995, I was called by the uh, son-in-law 
Rabbi Feivel Cohen, one of the great rabbis who was one of the previous I spoke to in '92, said it's fine, but I can't just, I can't, not in my backyard. Who was had an interesting marriage took place. The boy was from Yeshiva Farakaway, with Rabbi Kaufman, who's now in Waterbury. He was, he was the one of the Russian Shivas there. And the girl came from a shul called Hebrew Institute of Riverdale. Rabbi Avi Weiss. Odd couple. I hope they're still happily married. Um, so he, Rabbi Weiss would not let the girl go to the wedding without a prenup. He says, what's going on with this prenup? So I told him the truth. I went, well, what were tell, please write to my father-in-law the objections to Rabbi Yosha. He's a tremendous Rabbi Yosha Chos, Rabbi Fahel Kohen, Adi Yom I wrote him four objections. I faxed it to him. I still have the original. And he told his son-in-law, it's okay, you can do the prenup anyway. I knew he couldn't object to us after because here's a whole book called Midor about about wills, how to make a secular will and fossils of Pialak, which is purely based on Asmachta being overcome by Kinyam Yachshu Bezal Chashev. So I, I was pretty confident. I, so history continues, okay? Let's jump forward many years. So we're doing, we're doing, we're doing, we're doing, we're doing. We're doing. There's a problem, but you, you will denote, you will see right here in the, sorry, if you the page two, of this uh, document, you know, there's a problem, a very nice group, you give $150 a day. Let me explain to you what this is all about. You see, listen carefully. According to Jewish law, the couple splits up. According to strict Jewish law, is the husband still obligated to support his wife? So, there was a very distinguished rabbi who said, of course, so there's no need for a new prenup, just translate the server into English, make it legally enforceable, and you're home free. Two problems. One, there's no amount. Don't fight till doomsday how much the amount is. We put in the amount. But two, his facts are wrong. Because if the couple splits up, is he or is he not obligated <coughs> to continue to support it? Depends on whose fault the breakup was. Now, if you're going to try to figure out whose fault the breakup was, she'll turn white. That's why in America, everything's no fault. There's no fault divorce, and there's no fault courage, and there's no fault. Because it takes too long to figure out fault. So what this, what this does is, it closes that hole. It closes that hole. What does it say at the top of page 2? Okay? We say that you're obligated to pay her. Right? And there's a problem over here. There's a problem over here. What if she has her own income? So then she'll say, so he'll say, she has her own income. I'm, I obligate, I'm obligated anyway. What if she says, I want to keep my own income? And I say, I'm the husband. You know, you look at the husband, The wife's earnings come to the husband. So he waves those halachic rights. He waves them. And there's an interesting phrase over here, next to the last phrase in the italicized part. I shall be deemed to have repeated this waiver at the time of our wedding. Funny, funny language. What does that mean? The says in Ksubis Pegimel, you, you cannot waive these rights before we call Averson, which is the first stage of marriage, you know, Kedushin, and you cannot waive them after Nisuin. So you got to waive them in that little blink of an eye we have between the time he puts the ring on a finger and the time that they finish the Sheva Brothers. That's my interpretation. That's another Shia, not for now, if that window exists. Rabbi Osher Weiss thinks it doesn't exist at all. You have to do it, you have to put the ring on outside the chuk. But uh, most people don't agree with that. Mr. Karelis didn't agree. Others, not for now. Rabbi Aaron the Rocho did a prenup, but he insists that it be done under the chuppah, because of this problem. Under the chuppah, they did the prenup, they filled that right then and there, under the chuppah. Okay, we did assume it's good earlier. This idea, idea of I, be deemed is work based on a smas and a lamed in Choshev Mishpah. Fine, and then it's like, me'achshav, kinyin choshev, and by the way, you don't have to do it. The fact that you acknowledge it, anyone know the famous rule of Chazal? Six words. If you acknowledge something, it didn't happen. It's as if it happened. Come on, guys. So you sign this piece of paper as if you did it. Okay, fine. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What if the husband will be taken for a ride for the rest of his life for this money? So that's not fair. So the next paragraph is critical. However, the support obligation shall be terminate if wife-to-be refuses to appear upon due notice for the president of America or in the event that the wife-to-be fails to abide by the decision or recommendation of the Bezdin of America. Furthermore, wife-to-be waives her right to collect any portion of the support obligation attributable to the period preceding the date of an unreasonable attempt to provide written notification of to be. She intends to collect the above son, and has to be notarized signature, etc., etc., etc. Why is this extra put thing put in? 
Maisa Shoya Kachoy. Goes back 20 something years. It was $100 a day at the time. And a couple broke up somewhere in the state of Maryland. You lived there for quite a few years in the state of Maryland. This was, I think, before your tenure there, I think. What happened? The man said, okay, she won again. I'll give it to you today. Today I'll give it to you. No, it was not at all a recalcitrant. Today. Well, you know how things went on. Go to Besden. Took three months till they got to the Besden. He repeated again, I'll give it today. She said, no, she wants to go to the second of the court for the money. Took three years. Not surprised until they got the second of the divorce. Fine. They got the divorce. Gave her the same day. Fine. Next week, he had to love note from her the next week. Back pay for three years. $100,000. Went to $100,000 from him because they were married Jewishly. It says in the document, $100,000. Came to our basement. It was a split decision. Two judges say, said, she's entitled to $10,000. Where'd that number come from? To three months, till they got to Besden. He, he, he agreed to give it right away, but Besden wasn't aware of that. Now, why did it take three months? It wasn't his fault. You know, again, everyone's calendar. Three judges, and each one came with a lawyer. And there were seven different people to get into the room at the same time. It took three months. So two judges said she's entitled to $10,000. One judge said, forget it, zero. You're not entitled to anything. It's crazy. He was willing to give it the first day, but she doesn't even deny that. So, two against one. Decision, $10,000. They both appealed the decision. <laughs> even appeals process in our best. Rabbi Gedalia Shlov Schwartz Schlitter, who was the Abbez, and decided, you're going to kick this one to me. I'm his associate, I'm his assistant. So I had to sit over this appeals decision. And I sat a long time over it, I consulted with the same Rabbi Gartner. How do, you, do you have a right to interpret a document based upon the in, intent of the document, based on you know, that, what, what led to the document, etc., etc.? I thought certainly you did. I wrote a, a learned opinion. First, I had my wrote myself in Hebrew, then I put it in English. And I decided that she's entitled to zero. She was fit to be tied. Now she didn't get the hundred, she didn't get the ten, she had in her pocket. She blew it. So she appealed my decision to the secular court in Maryland, saying she could the only two arbitration, only two ways to vacate arbitration. Either corruption, you know, corrupt uh, that she couldn't do, or irrationality. <laughs> Irrational decision this is a crazy rabbi made. <laughs> The judge in Maryland said back to this lady, not only is it not an irrational decision, it's a correct decision. I applaud the decision. We got a, a Heskin from a, a judge in Maryland. Previously, we got a very important Heskin from a judge in Connecticut where somebody came to claim that it's an unconstitutional disagreement because it's a separation of church and state. It's, it's ridiculous. He threw it out. It's a matter of money. What are you talking about? To support your wife. Go. So it's, we have two Askamas from Connecticut and from Maryland. We hope it, it, it works. Now, now, fast forward. Fast forward. 2008. It's now 16 years in. And Baruch Hashem, things are working. And now we felt it's time to get a re, refresh the, Has, the Askamas from the, from the Rabbanim and Eretz Yisrael based upon how the document had metamorphosized over the years. It was originally just a little piece of paper. And then it just, we didn't add anything of, of, of halachic import. The, the basic kishkas were there in the original. We just rounded it out. So these options, etc., etc. So we went to a back to Rabzalman the but he signed right away. He understood. It's basically the same thing. Now he was criticized because he, he, he wrote a tshuva that you're allowed, to, you're allowed to go to secular court. Some of the women didn't want to Go to Bezin for the money that they thought they'd do better in second court. It's probably true. So Zalman Nechemi said, if they agree in advance to go to second court, you're allowed to do so. Oh, people came attacking him. I wrote a piece years later defending Rav Zalman Nechemi and explaining why. If they read the Rashba differently, the others read the Rashba, that's not for now, it's a much longer shear. But I still think that's completely correct. Rav Zalman Nechemi is correct. Others think he's not correct. They read the Rashba the way Rav Yosef Kara read the Rashba, left that half the Shuva. Not for now. The kids are. So he signed it again, and we have a new ally, <coughs> Rabbi Usher Weiss. You, you know who he is? This was privileged to see him at my grandson's bar mitzvah Sunday night. He came. I didn't call him. He came on his own. I mean, he got an invitation in the mail from my son, but he came. He was very gracious. He came. He said, pictures with us. You know, he said, and he wrote a beautiful haskama, a letter to Rabbi Gardner and myself, 
say it's a good idea, with a caveat, which I'll tell you in a minute. And he actually signed under, together with Zalman Nechemi. Good. What was the caveat? Turns out that, in my view, that when a symbolist turned things around, he was Mechavin to Nachlas Shiva Simentes. Look it up in your, your Barilan. Nachlas Shiva Simen was a Talmud of the Taz. He lived in 17th century Poland. And he has to, he refers to something which he called Takana Shum. Who knows what Shum stands for? What Shum stands for? You speak English? Yeah. Okay, make sure. It sounds like an Israeli. Shpire of Magenza, the three towns in Germany, where they had the following Takana. And it says in every Tanoim, see, in America, Rav Moshe Feinstein eviscerated the Tanoim. He took everything out. This is going to get married, that's all. But Chassidim still signed the original Tanoim. To this day, they don't from Moshe. It says in Machmas, Idur Uktat, Yomad Ketakonat Shum. Idur means if the, if the, let's say the, the, the girl dies within the first year of marriage. So it's Chazal, see, V'tam L'rit Kochachem. V'tam means that all you, you've spent your whole life accumulating money, you gave it to your daughter's dowry, your daughter dies, you have no money, you have no daughter, you have nothing. Who was the one who railed against that? Rabbeinu Tam. That's why it's called Rabbeinu Tam. Yaakov Yishtam, it's close because it is. He made a takana, which is incorporated in Shum, that the money goes back. If the girl dies in the first year, so Nebuch goes back to her father. Okay? That's Idu. Idu means you're missing. Missing means you're missing for a long time. You died. It's, it's, a, it's a euphemism. What's Ktat? This. They have a fight. They're no longer living together in the same house. She doesn't have a means of support. So Tzerzeh is going to give her ten zahuvim immediately. And every week or month, he'll give her another ten zahuvim to su- support herself. I took this as a perfect precedent for our prenup. This is clear proof that there's no issue of asmachta can't be because it existed in, in, in Europe the way going way, way, way back. So Rabbi Bleich Shlita objected to my proof. He said, no. In the olden years, the healers were organized. There's a power of Hefkin, Bez, and Hefker. And Bez would just appropriate, expropriate whatever he wanted. It doesn't apply in New York anymore. To which I responded, that was true in Poland. Because in Poland, the Takana was so strong, even if you didn't sign it, it was binding anyway. Not in Ashkenaz, not in Germany. So from Germany, I thought it was a raya that, that it really would overcome Asmachta. I never fully knew how much money this was worth. I tried to figure out how much it's worth, and, you know, was it wasn't. Rabbi Oshawai's tiny. It's just a bare subsistence to keep her from starving. Not, not, not an not a, uh, incentive to give again. I gave a she here in this yeshiva some years back. On this very topic, yeah, I don't know if they like me talking about this topic here in yeshiva. And one of the chaver was in yeshiva, I'm trying to think, it's probably three years ago, five years ago, and I can't remember exactly when it was. He decided to take on himself to find out. He connect, connect, contacted the British Museum, and he contacted, you know, one of these guys who knows his way around the internet, and he told me that, he brought me back, it's much more than bare subsistence left. So he thinks that I'm right, that's not to steal, save him from starving, it's really an incentive that if they don't get together, of course, it's a euphemism. They'll give it ten zuvim a week till the best can put them back together again. It's like Humpty Dumpty. You know, we usually put them back together again. It's not so easy with all the king's horses and all the king's men. You know, but that, that's how it's, that's how it's phrased. Fine. So we have now two askamas. A list was already didn't want to get involved. He wants to say this didn't change his mind. He's the one who didn't want to. And I made a big mistake of not coming back to Mavaji. It was a big. Anyway, he's so busy, he was an older man. I didn't want to go back to him. He passed away uh, a few years after that. I didn't feel it was appropriate to go bother someone who was close to 90 years old. It was a big mistake on my part, for the reason I'll tell you in a minute. Fine. With, with, you know, in the interim, all kinds of other Haskemim were adopted in, in Eretz Yisrael. In America, once we had ours, it was the final word. There had been some previous ones. One was this particular I told you, which is a problem in the case where they, it's... it's the breakup is her fault. One had liquidated damages, which may have issued with Asmachta, means it's a contempt of court, they can put you in jail, they can call the coerced get. So once we did ours, Baruch Hashem, it became, but in Israel, they all got the Haskem and Kavod Hadadi, and the Tzohar, and I don't even know what they're, what they're all about. But what they do not have, is they do not put everything in the hands of Bez. Oh, put everything. Without Bez, you can't collect one nickel. One nickel. That's critical. Otherwise, you can't, 
That's why he's opposed to these other other Heskei Mashiach here. We can put it, take it out of Bezin's hand. Fine. But man, everything's fine and dandy until what happened a couple of years ago. A guy from Dalibon of Beitar, he wants to make his own idea of some mutual ksuba, but in order to get his own idea, he had to knock us down. He started a campaign to knock us down. And he went from rabbi to rabbi to rabbi to knock us down. The guy was such an unbelievable character. Listen to this. He writes a whole cruise against us, and he's trying to prove it's not just a Haredi Rabbanim. No, the Datilu Mirabanim also are opposed to it. He produced a letter, catch this now, from 1986. Before we even, long before we even about this whole thing, which they all attack, you know, Tamir of Rabban Chelion, of Rabban Shapira, the chief rabbis of then, and they're all attacking, they're attacking something else completely. And he put together, you know, chutzpah. He has a, they had that they're against our document. But that's how it is, and, you know, some people do things that way. You know, anyway, so this guy, and he says publicly, this is the same, you know, all of all them are no good. And as a matter of fact, the people from Tzohar try to wrap themselves in our palace and say, look, what the Aussie does, that we do is the same thing as only politics between us. So I called this guy up, this him Shapira. So, I, I was, he says, he lived in Beitar, I'm in Beitar. No, I moved to Ramat Bet Shemesh. I'm even closer. I was my kids are. I went to see him. I said, what are you doing over here? You're, you're, you're putting us and, and Tzohar in the same boat. It's not true. You know it's not true. So he softened a little bit, but then he delivered the coup de grace. He went to Rabbi Sternbach Shlita, and he convinced Rabbi Sternbach that what we're doing is no good, etc., etc. So Rabbi Sternbach wrote a tshuva, um, saying it's no good. The first line of the tshuva is completely false. Yeah, but the, the, the tshuva is beautifully reasoned. The the God of the Torah. But the, when the first line is false, the whole thing is false. What's the first line of the tshuva? Our, our, our document is based upon what we call, he called the knas, a fine. Now the Ramah says, if a person accepts a fine upon himself, it's, it's the get is good, the diemet, post facto. He argued it's not really true in this case, da 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 da, that was his whole six phases of truth. But it's not a knas, it's just an estimate of how much a person needs to live. He obviously couldn't believe that when he comes to such a amount of money. So we, I made an appointment to see him, and on the exact day I saw him, it was Gimel Cheshvan, a Friday. It was the day of my grandson's bar mitzvah. It was the same day that my mechatenus, the Rebbe and Machlis, passed away. It was all the same day. It was all she was trying to find a, a keva for her. You know, Sternberg's building the Rebbe Lau. The chief rabbi went to him, and he was in America. And his wife called the father of Rav Bagan, found the keva in the Sanhedrin. Oh, there's no personal stories about that fateful day. I won't forget that day. We came. Now, I mean, Sternberg, I understand, is from England. So I would have loved to talk to him in English. He told him, now that he and I talked to him, he came and talked to him in Hebrew. He talked to him in Yiddish. Okay, my Yiddish is good enough to converse. He spoke to him in Yiddish. We explained to him, and I had, I know he reads English. We brought documentation from, you know, bureaus of, of you know, governmental bureaus saying that the zip codes that we service, these numbers are not an exaggeration. In, in, in Manhattan, it's too small. Who knows what it costs to rent the one bedroom apartment in Manhattan, the west side, upper west side, upper east side? Well, no, any clue? See, there you go. That's more. That's, that's half the money or more goes out just to just to, just to pay rent. Huh? Riverdale is not that much cheaper. Riverdale, you can't, I don't think you can get for two thousand, two thousand. I'm not sure. I'm not coming from Riverdale. Who's here from Riverdale? There was a cost of the apartments. You don't pay the rent, Baruch Hashem. So it's expensive. So it's, 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 it costs $25,000 rent, and the whole thing comes to $50,000 a year. It's not enough. You have to pay for clothing, you have to pay for food. Women's clothing, not men. Women's clothing. And food and insurances. Yeah, it's, it's, it's. He, he heard us. But he had two questions. First question was, but what happens if this... He, this he, this man and woman don't have the standard of living. Very nice. Said. So we said, oh, if, not, if that's not the standard of living, the business is entitled and would, would presumably reduce the sum. The Gemara is an expression in Subas, only you pay the higher of the two. What's the higher of the two? His standard of living and her family's standard of living. If it's less than that, we would deduct it. Okay, he nodded his head. Okay. What happens if he can't afford it? 
In other words, it's consistent, let's see, with her family stands or even hit, he just can't have the money. You can't take away a shirt, misadil the balchov. So my gardener said to him, that's true if the guy has no way out. Here's a very easy way out. Give your wife a get, and the debt is gone. He nodded his head again. So we thought we made some inroads. We thought. So Rabbi Gardner wrote up the protocol in Hebrew of the full conversation back and forth between us. And we didn't want to bother Rabbi Shtubach himself to sign it. We asked his sons who were there, <coughs> who understood Yiddish, to sign it. They didn't want to sign it either. And unfortunately, the Tshuva, as is, is printed in his most recent Sefer Tshuva, is an Agustin Zion. Notwithstanding the fact that we told him that the whole thing, the, the first line is wrong, the whole thing is wrong. I don't understand why he still printed it, but Kachazeh. So, despite that, that attack, Abzam Nechemi and Rav is still with us and fully backing us as our other Rabbanim and why the Rabbanim signed on that we should do this, uh, despite various objections that, that exist. I think it's a very, very important thing, and everyone should get married should sign it. You get, you make sure you get the latest version. Now, just for a minute, I know, am I supposed to end? I should have ended it now. I have to end. But this, I have two more minutes, I have? Three. Three, okay. Three minutes. Two, in Mishpacha magazine, which is a popular thing in, in the weekly, covered a cover story about this. Not because of me. We, we, I, I always stay from publicity. Because two other more Haredi groups had their own versions. One is in front of you. They may, they may have given out to you. Think about this for me, okay? So this is this. Which one is this? This is which one did you give me? You gave me the one from Yashar. Yashar. They came to me, Yashar. Group, very fine people from Brooklyn, who see how there's so many agunas. It's crazy. I got a call from Lakewood, Lakewood, from a dentist. He said there are five agunas within five blocks, and you got to do something to get you into, into Lakewood. I'm not going to see Lakewood, but uh, this they got approval from great rabbanim. If I'm not mistaken, even Rabbi Shturmich himself signed this, this agreement. Because it has nothing to do with the get, just a matter of money. Money. Child custody and financial stuff. The follow halacha, write the decision. All right? That's it. Nothing to do with any additional obligation. So therefore, that's a great idea. It's a wonderful idea if they come to the basin and the basin will tell the guy to give a get, and he, and, and he listens to the bezin, it'll be great. My fear is, I just met this guy to see him in Shasta, one of the main guys, my fear is, they'll come to bezin, bezin cannot obligate him to give money because he'll say it's her fault, and until they bring proof that, it's, that's, that he's wrong, right, he's of Araya. So, so an honest bezin cannot force him to give money once they split up. But he's, this fellow claims, once you get him into bezin, Everybody give again. The problem is they came again to a best. I said, I hope to be proven wrong. I hope and pray that I'm proven wrong. That once they come into a best, then the best can decide monetary matters based on halacha, without any, you know, which may pot him completely because he's, he's a little bit pot. Once in best, I'll give again. I hope so and I pray so, even though I'm not convinced that it's really true. I have a lot of experience with little kinds of crazies. I don't have time to tell my story. It just takes for hours. Whatever it is. Not for now. That's one agreement. A, a, you had a third agreement that was just put out by Rabbi Khan from Muncie, a very young and energetic Talmud Chacham, and he has his own way of doing things, which is a little bit different. Fundamentally, the, he has a, well, it's a post up that they should sign the document as soon as they're having problems with their marriage, they're going to go agree to go to a bezin, etc., etc. The problem with that, the guy won't sign at that point. In, 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 so I don't have it in front of me. I'm not sure exactly how he, he keeps changing it, a little bit, tweaking it. But I don't like to go past my time. I want to thank you all for listening. The apologize again for coming late. I usually, I'm usually on time. But uh, the tunnels, I told you, uh, wouldn't let me through. So, um, is it time for some questions? Or a couple of questions. Okay. A lot. Let me also start from the far right, which we're looking Okay, I'll tell you what it was. Nothing to do with this. It would be, I don't know, comic relief, but a different kind of relief. We were talking about uh, you know, the war being threatened. Huh? Not, not the oh, what did Rabbi Lichnasi Rabbi Talas talk about in the car? Nothing to do with the top. Um, so the discussion just revolved around that upcoming war. It was it was the week. It was it was, it was that week. It was it was a, that was a Monday, and on Wednesday night, America attacked Saddam in Iraq. So of course, you know, what what do you do when when America attacks you? It's obvious. 
Iran said the same thing now. You bomb Tel Aviv, of course. It makes perfect sense, right? America attacks Iraq or Iran, and then they attack Tel Aviv, right? Of course. So there was war talk. The war started, not two, three days later. So I started telling about my stories from the 67 war, which I was, I was the Caribbean of the, at that time. I made the mistake of mentioning in passing that the night before Hey uh, year of that year, Leila Hayyai was in America's Araf, hang up to you to cook. And the famous, I think called Shirat Yutet. I heard it live, I was there. They put, they, they put out a chime. I remember everything he said. The first thing he said was, this is a digression or a digression. He said, Which meant if you shaved, you were a mammon. If you didn't, you were a kaifer, which I was a kaifer. I didn't shave. So that was. But then he started talking there. Eifo bet lechem anirak kodesh and shchemer kodesh and chevron anirak kodesh, and when it, it captured it a month later, it was unbelievable. Exactly a month later, everyone less than a month. He had ruach hakodesh to Yehuda. Of course, these two rabbis are not into messianism and ruach hakodesh. Nah, he said it because it was in the news at the time that someone brought it up. That was, that's the most striking part of the conversation. What's most also memorable is Rabbi Amital said Tefillah Zedek. You know, he was just going, it wasn't that far right. Every day he said Tefillah Zedek. That's before the tunnels, believe me, it was plenty of Tefillah Zedek. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes, Cole? Cole Hatara Kula. Could Remy say a few words about um, the, what seemed like a Lichtenstein's objection just to the timing of the. Yes, the, he objected to the timing based on the fact that, quote, the strict halacha and Subas Pegimel. You can, can only be moichel on things which are coming to you between Erison and Nisun. Any mechila which is after Nisun is too late, before Erison is too early. So you have to do it after the ring is put on the finger, and before, in my opinion, with the Shadow Brothers are done. I'll give you a, a case. My father, Zichron of the Rocha, remarried after my mother passed away, and his new wife was, had two daughters in B'nai Brak. And they wanted to keep the assets, which is understandable. Why should her assets go to, to me? I don't do that. So Nissen Karelitz wrote a piece of paper, a cue card, which my father said, When did he say it? Under the chup, after he put the ring on the finger, before the shepherds. So I know if Nissen held, you can do it under the chup. Rabbi wife said, no, it's too late. When you put the ring on the finger, it's already, they're ready to sue it, because they're under the chup already. And we assume it's not true because they don't want to do it. They want the chuppah to happen to take after the Shevet Brahmas are over. Kalab la Brahmas to So Rabbi did it under the chuppah. Right? Why? How can we go against Rabbi Because we feel, number one, we say it's deemed to be repeated, which is based upon a, a uh, smart in Simon Lamid. Okay? In addition, you have to look at Shiva's Goni Basroi. It goes back to the, the Gonim of, of the 16th century Gonim, the smart of Erosagashuni and the Chavas Yor. All have discussions about these kind of things, and they say, you know what? Once we have shiduchim, for us shiduchim is the equivalent of their erisim, because they're, they're bound together. Not not for not that they get, but for the perspective of of, of, of giving a certain uh, rights. Once they're tied together, even with shiduchim, might might suffice. And a number of other points of argument which I can't go into right now. That's why we assume it's okay. Yes. Um, how can Beitin issue a ruling if one of the parties does not show up? Because that's what's written over here. You I'm don't show up with the right ruling. Oh, sure. If you agree, if you have an arbitration and you don't show up, it's called a default judgment. That's true with all arbitration agreements. You got two guys have a building, real estate, and they sign an arbitration agreement to go to AAA, American Finish Association. And it's just written in there, everyone. If you don't show up, we give it a default judgment. But doesn't the Beitin have to like, send out Hasmodas? Oh, yeah, send out Hasmodas, but let's say he doesn't show up. Then they can. Yeah, the full job. Of course. Of course. Yes, sir. Um, I, I'm wondering if Rabbi gave his opinion on. In England, a couple of days ago, there was like a, a relatively significant court case where a woman brought her husband to court who wasn't giving a get. Um, and where did it take place? In England. Ah, uh, England. So was, sound like you come from there. So she sued her husband for coercion and controlling practice, which recently became out of the human being threat from a jail time of 10 years for that. And because of that, he gave the get, and therefore she counted the case. That's a very serious question. Well, that get is valid. I'm sorry to say, it's a serious. I'm not saying it's invalid. A very if you if you threaten someone with killing him, hitting him, that famous story happened in, in New York. While the guys were put in jail because the FBI had a sting, they, they called our best tools. We were not entrapped in the sting. 
or excommunicating him or putting him in jail, all those four, if the get is given under the threat of that which is not deserved, the get is no good. Well, maybe no good. I, don't want, I never want to say for sure no good. Maybe no good. It's a problem. I don't know the details of that case. Any final questions? Yes, sir? Why is it important that it's calculating the time from the end of domestic residence as opposed to when she asks for the get? Uh, that's exactly what symbolist wanted. In the original version, the obligation took place immediately in the time that they get married, but she forgives it every day. When she wants to get, she stops forgiving it. So Simbalista is too close to the get. This, he says, in his words, if they're living under the same roof, he pays the rent, he pays the food, they're no longer the same roof. So he's not paying anymore. Nothing to do with the get. That's why he liked this. this that fits him with Nachash and Nothing to do with the get. They're no longer together. He has to support her. Got it? Yes. Is this the last question? Have we got it? Okay, that's more. Okay, yeah. Have you said that some of the objections from the Haredi world were not necessarily substantiated? What does that say about our, our, our relationship with that side of Judaism? I love all Jews. I love Haredim. I love Chilonim. I love, I love all Jews. You want to know uh, why it is that, that that part of the world things move at a glacial pace? It's mostly good. It's mostly good that they survive. We have a different orientation. I don't have nothing, I have nothing personal against the Haredi Rabbanim who don't agree with me in Halacha, for sure not. And those who agree with me but did not sign the names to it, I don't have nothing against them either. They're good Jews. Things just work differently in different sectors of the, of the world. Just now, at my midst of my grandson, on Sunday, someone showed me something I'll tell you about later. A mind-boggling development in the Haredi world. A pushback. Some rabbi in Muncie was attacked for something, and I don't know what I'm talking about. And they, they push back against him. It's un- unprecedented. But that's not fair. I'm just talking riddles to Rabbi Gottlieb. I'll tell him later. It's too sensitive to talk about in public. Any other questions? Yes? If the man is primarily supported by his wife, and she refuses to show up and he's in up again, does the same agreement apply? Very good question. What happens if the woman refuses to take again? It's a very serious problem. If we have on, in the back of our burner a reciprocal prenup. I'm not a big fan of the reciprocal prenup, because his obligation is in lieu, you see in lieu, L-I-E-U, it's a fancy word. Serious. So line three of the, of the page two. In lieu of my Jewish law obligation of support. She has no obligation of support to him. So you have to contrive it instead of, instead of taking care of his domestic affairs, instead of cleaning the house and cooking the supper, she'll give him $150 a day. It, it's, it's valid, but it waters down our validity, so I don't like to use it. But those who want to use it, we have, we have something like that. Oh, by the way, one final point. Tamim and Eretz Yisrael want to use it. Because they don't... Uh, we have one for Israel, too. Except it's not $150 a day. Only $75 a day. We did our homework. You can live on... You can live on I'm told in Ramat Bachem, you can live on that amount per year. That's $75,000. That's... What's that? It's $54,000. It's $27,000 a year. Is it true? Can you live on that? Ramat Bachem? Bedochak. Okay. If your kids are going to camp in America. <laughs> <laughs> There's no tuition bills here for most people. That, that makes, that's one part of the difference. Yes, sir? Isn't there, aren't you able to have, if she refuses to, to accept the get, like the mayor of the mayor of Bonham is a last resort. It's true. That's one of the reasons we want, it's, it's not as critical. There is, is a way out, as opposed to with him, there's no way out. Correct. You're right. It should you give him a million dollars a day, but I'm not so sure you can that that's not the works. So just to that, we try to get the right amount. I don't want to make. I don't want it should be called a knas. It's called a knas. Like a mishnah, it was called a knas. Even, even though it should be al anyway, knas not masat. So it's, it's the, we don't like to use it. So it's, it's too close to a threat. It's too close to a, to a fine. It's not. We don't use. It's not a fine. It's just a support argument. Too it's exaggerated. It's a. It's a called construed as a fine. Yes, sir. Well, that's another, that's not for this year. If we have, in the absence of a prenup, or the prenup doesn't work, it won't work in two cases, by the way. As a multi-millionaire, he's left to string along to 120, $150 a day. He, he enjoys every single day. It's a spider. Or if he says no money, there's no pennies. It's judgment proof. Those are one. You can apply communal pressure. It's called Rabbi Natan. Rabbi Natan was the one who said you can't force someone to give a get, if, even though she doesn't buy a lie. He compensated with the Rabbi Natan. That you can not, not do business with him, 
not talk, not let them come to shul, not give them alias. There are social pressures which can be taken, which are effective. Um, I'll tell you one amazing story, which is, I think it's really happened, although some deny it. It happened in Toronto, I was told, 30, 40 years ago. I wouldn't give it again. And all the women were so upset. They went on a mikvah strike. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was given pretty quickly. So there are all kinds of pressures that can be worked together. <laughs> all right, so thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it.